News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Macias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change that our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Welcome to episode 57 of the Luke Messias Show. Uh, early voting is going on and our life is absolutely crazy since we run campaigns for a living and are working with candidates all across the state of Texas, only very conservative Republican candidates all across the state of Texas. So um, personally, I'm kind of looking forward to getting uh, this election past us. We get to start you know, working on other things. Some people like create New Year's resolutions. I get to create like post-election primary resolutions for my family. But um, but we've got to finish strong. If you have not early voted, please get out and early vote and look at, as I've said, Texas Homeschool Coalition, Texas Scorecard, Texas Right to Life, some of these leading conservative organizations, who they're supporting, what they're doing. Get out and cast a ballot for a strong, committed, conservative in Texas. Um, so guys, today we are going to talk about a very scary and very chilling decision that was made to punish a conservative judge in Texas due to the accountability that he was putting on a rogue state agency that regularly abuses parental rights. And what we are talking about is the Child Protective Services, CPS, here in Texas. So this was done, this judge was punished, by other Republican judges in a red county in Texas. Judge Alex Kim, and if you don't know Alex Kim, in fact, I might have him on the program, though he'll probably get punished again if he comes on our podcast. But Alex Kim is a friend of mine and a friend of many listeners to this show in Tarrant County, and he ran uh, for a juvenile judge uh, position there in Tarrant County. It's the 323rd District Court. And his court in Tarrant County oversees CPS cases. It was a decision that was made in Tarrant County some time ago, which basically said, and here's my understanding from talking to a couple of people, um, if a CPS case comes out of a family issue, right, let's say a divorce is happening or something else uh, of that nature that's already within the family court system, and then a CPS case originates out of that, that stays within the family court system. But Tarrant County knew that if somebody filed a CPS complaint on somebody else and that went before a judge, that it was best to kind of concentrate that within one court. And so they picked the 322nd or 323rd court, which Alex Kim ran for and got elected to. And so Alex, as a constitutional conservative uh, judge, actually believes that people's constitutional rights need to be protected while they are you know, going through the court system. And so CPS and uh, had to deal with some accountability. Meaning, and just to give you perspective, we had Krista Hatfield on this program. I don't remember what episode it is. I'll actually look that up while I'm talking to y'all. But Krista Hatfield was somebody we had on to talk about uh, just the cases in Texas where CPS is actually advancing transgender ideology and other dangerous leftist perspectives that they are actually bringing into our state. Um, and so we had Krista on to talk about these issues. CPS is regularly abusing parental rights. Um, we have the Pardo case, which the Texas Homeschool Coalition has been spearheading uh, on it and all sorts of other issues that we're dealing with. And so at the end of the day, CPS is used to having judges that are rubber stamps for their agenda. And what do I mean by that? I mean, uh, you know, they want to be able to take a case before a judge and say, hey, 
Here's the situation. And what most judges do is that they're worried about the implications or the ramifications of not listening to CPS, right? So if CPS comes to you and says, we want to take this kid out of this home. We want to do this. We want to do this. If you say no, what does that mean? That means that now you're responsible as a judge for that decision. Now, I'm not going into individual cases which Alex Kim has overseen, but all we really know is that CPS is complaining to Tarrant County judges that Alex Kim is not simply rubber stamping their cases, which, you know, they would, of course, say it, that's not their complaint. Their complaint is that he's, you know, not respecting the process. But at the end of the day, they're looking for a rubber stamp and he's not it. And so they go to Judge David Evans, who's the administrative uh, judge over Tarrant County. And David Evans calls a confab of Tarrant County judges to make a determination on how they are going to uh, distribute CPS cases amongst the judicial system within Tarrant County. And they decided this week or last week to take the CPS cases out of Alex Kim's court put them into the family court system, which his court is not in, and then have, a, I guess, a lottery system of some sort. So it basically just gets passed on throughout a list of these different judges, right? So there's a number of judges, uh, Jesus Navarez, Kenneth Newell, James Mumford, Jerome Henningen, Judith Wells, Patricia Bennett. These are judges that will now get these CPS cases, and these CPS cases will go out to all of them as they come in to the system. So why is this scary? Why is this chilling? Why is this problematic? Almost every single parental rights organization, in fact, every parental rights organization that I know of in Texas opposed the, this decision. They actually, there were uh, you know, hundreds of people there in Tarrant County awaiting the decision of these judges. A lot of concerned conservative activists, Republican activists throughout Texas, and in Tarrant County specifically, who were saying, wait a second, this is a guy who we know is a conservative judge who we know is holding the feet to the fire of a state agency that is known to abuse parental rights regularly. And in a Republican county, the Republican elected judges are all going to get together and say, we're going to side with the bureaucrats. And we're going to set it up to make it easier for them to abuse parental rights in Texas. You know, we talk about the deep state on the national level. And that used to be kind of this conspiratorial statement that has become more mainstream over the last couple of years because it has become more and more evident, especially on the federal level, that there is an institutionalization of government bureaucrats that think they run it. And they are so deeply entrenched within the system that they can get the other institutions of government to defend them. And to work for them, there aren't proper checks and balances within the process. And that is what we're seeing here in Tarrant County. We're seeing the state agency, what we know is that the state agency literally complained to the courts and said, hey, this guy is not playing by the rules that we're used to being treated by. This guy is not rubber stamping our cases the way we have been accustomed to in the past. And we need you to fix it. And then a couple Republican judges all get together and say, fine, we will. One of the things I'm hoping is that we can pretty soon get a list of how the judges voted because the actual elected judges are the ones that made this determination. They had to vote on it. Our understanding is that judges Wolf and Mumford 
were, uh, Munford were actually amongst the judges that voted uh, to keep these cases in Alex's court. Um, I, I haven't gotten that verified uh, by enough, so I can't say that with absolute authority. My hope is that other judges come out if they did vote um, for parental rights and for um, the rule of law and for Alex Kim, that they would come out and actually say, I voted with Alex Kim. I voted against the bureaucrats who wanted to have an easier rubber stamp system. Uh, but we don't know. What we do know is that Alex has been punished for doing his job. Alex has been punished for respecting basic constitutional rights that exist that CPS often tries to trample. If you're in Tarrant County, this should be the most important story for you. It's incredibly scary that it's happening. I do a lot of work in Tarrant County, have a lot of strong conservatives in Tarrant County. Uh, this should not be happening in the backyard of one of the most conservative areas in Texas. So there's a couple things that need to happen. We need to figure out how the judges voted. Uh, they need to be held accountable. And uh, we've got to recognize that CPS is going to work overtime whenever their feet are held to the fire. This is one of the reasons why it's been very hard to get CPS reform through the legislative process as well. It is very difficult. Uh, even though we have a Republican-controlled House and Senate, uh, it is not an easy thing to reform the system because so many politicians are scared to hold a state agency accountable. Um, anyways, if you want to go back and listen to the Krista McIntyre conversation we had, that was episode 40, and she talks about CPS, so you can uh, do you know go back and, and listen to what she said. Uh, I'm grateful for Alex Kim. I'm grateful to consider him a friend, somebody I've known for quite some time. And if you are a conservative activist in Texas, you should reach out to Alex and thank him for his willingness to stand up. He has been taking arrows on a number of fronts um, because of his willingness to actually stand up and be a strong conservative voice within the judiciary. And uh, we should be praising those voices in Texas, not punishing them. And the fact that a judge who's willing to stand up for parental rights in a Republican county is still punished uh, should scare us. It should have a chilling effect, and it should also um, anger us enough to the point to where we're actually willing to get more involved, okay? Who your judges are is really important, and honestly, this is one of those areas where it's tough to find good information. I wish there existed like an organization that did nothing but endorse in conservative judicial races because it is so hard to know who the right judges are to vote for in your community. And uh, often those are those are the type of races that people reach out to me, all my friends and family from San Antonio and all these areas and even the DFW area to say, hey, uh, I've got four district judge races. You know anything? And so, but these people are making real determinations that affect real people. Um, and I wish there was more information. There's not one source I can always point you to. Uh, just reach out to people that you do know in the community that you trust and try to get their opinion before casting votes. Here's the other thing I would say. If you don't know who to vote for within a judicial race, skip the race, okay? This is something that goes uh, is not used enough, but undervoting should be used. I have walked in. I probably shouldn't say this, but I have walked in even like four years ago, five years. I can remember. I remember distinctly walking in and going, oh my gosh, I did, don't know either of the people running for this one court in Comal County. And I felt 
completely incompetent at that moment in time. Uh, and I just walked in thinking I was just a know-it-all. And I didn't vote in that election. I literally was like, I'm not going to cast a ballot because the truth is you don't know. And if you don't know, you shouldn't do it based on which name sounds most familiar. You should skip that position because the wrong judge can really harm a lot of people's lives. And the right judge should be praised. And so Alex Kim, you, uh, you get our praise and credit for all the work that you're doing. Guys, we're in the middle of our Republican um, primary and the Democrat primary. Republican turnout is looking great across the state. In fact, it's significantly higher than Democrat turnout, even in districts that are considered competitive districts right now, which is a really good indicator. Now, we don't really know the numbers yet, and here's the reason. Uh, we're a week into early voting. We've got the rest of early voting. A lot of Democrat voters seem to be waiting because if you've been following all these debates and discussions, the Democrat primary is still very much in flux, and so they are kind of keeping their powder dry until Election Day. So we might actually see a very, very high turnout for Democrat primary voters on Election Day, which once those numbers come in, we might also end up seeing a much closer uh, competitiveness within even these competitive districts. So, so just to break down what I'm saying, if you go into a Texas House district that, let's say, Beto won by a couple points and Greg Abbott won by a couple points and is currently held by a Republican state representative, these are the type of districts that a lot of people are looking at to see what indicators we can see from the primary that says whether or not these districts are going to be competitive or not. And one of the things they will look at is how many Democrat primary voters are there and how many Republican primary voters are there. We don't have anything really pulling primary voters out in the Republican primary right now. There's not a competitive presidential election. Trump is the not going to be the nominee by far. John Cornyn is going to win uh, the U.S. Senate seat. There's not a very competitive U.S. Senate seat at the top of the ticket. So at the end of the day, there's not a lot pulling out voters. If we are outvoting Democrats when they have a highly contended Democrat um, primary, then that's a good indicator for Republicans. So far, those numbers look very good for Republicans, but they could change because some Democrats are waiting to see how South Carolina votes this weekend, to see how Nevada votes, waiting for the last Democrat debate or two to then go out and cast their ballot on election day for the person that they feel comfortable uh, about. So, uh, not getting too far into the weeds, I thought I'd give you a couple numbers, and this is from Derek Ryan. You might remember we had him on episode 23 from Ryan Data and Research. Uh, Derek is just a numbers guy. You can follow him on Twitter and uh, get more information that he sends out, but he has um, some just general analysis he did on the primary voters so far. I thought y'all might find this interesting. Um, we have the average age of a voter in the Republican primary. Uh, the average age of a voter so far that is casting a ballot in the Republican primary is 62 and a half. So I was talking to my uh, sister-in-law last night and uh, she's you know 21 and she's like, I need to get out and vote this week. I'm like, yeah, you do because we need to bring this age down just a little bit. The average age of Democrat primary voter, just to let y'all know, is 53 and a half. Okay, so uh, of course, shouldn't surprise us, Democrats are a little younger than Republicans in general. That goes back to, I believe it was the Winston Churchill quote, which is that if you're not a liberal when you're young, then you don't have a heart. And if you're not a conservative by the time you're old, you don't have a brain. Um, and, uh, and so I'm not, you know, directly quoting that to every one of my liberal friends. I'm sorry, I'm not saying you're dumb. I'm saying that, uh, you know, if you took a look at all the facts and figures, you'd realize that a lot of the policies that the Democrat Party is pushing uh, would be highly destructive to society as a whole. But that being said, um, 
Those are just some little facts and figures. Guys, very few people vote in the primary process. And here's the thing you need to know, that the vast majority of districts are won or lost in the primary, right? The vast majority of judges, the vast majority of Texas state representatives and congressmen and senators and constables and commissioners and all up and down the ballot, almost all of these races, almost the, you know, the, the vast majority are going to be decided in the primary. So if you don't vote in the primary and you only vote in the general election, you should probably know that you are essentially letting other people pick who's going to actually govern, and then you're going in and just participating in the process. But there's very few people that actually live within these highly competitive areas in Texas. And so uh, get out and vote in the primary, but get the information you need before you vote. Go to Empower Texans, go to Texas Right to Life, go to Texas Homeschool Coalition, go to the Young Conservatives of Texas. Read what they're saying and who they're supporting. Do some research before you go cast your ballot. Reach out to conservatives you know. Reach out to me. Say, hey, here's the area I'm in. Do you know of any races that I really need to vote the right way on? And we will let you know. Thank you so much for continuing to engage in the process. Thank you so much for getting more educated and informed. Uh, God bless you and God bless Texas. Thank you for listening to The Luke Messias Show. If you value this content and want our message to spread, please consider three of the following steps. One, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to us on and leave us a review. Two, visit lukemessias.com and sign up for our email alerts. And three, follow Raz and I on Twitter and visit my Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Luke Messias Texas. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Luke Macias, Texas. Thank you so much and God bless.